Good morning, everybody. Today is July 25th, 2022. Welcome to episode number 160 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Oja, coming to you from the news studio. And over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories, what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we've got you covered. I guarantee you, you're going to get the question, how do you stay current in the industry? This will be the most dynamite answer that you could possibly give. Slightly biased, obviously. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. I'm not doing them any service right now by having my screen all jacked up, but I was super concerned about production quality with the new studio and everything. You can see the lighting's a little different. I'm not even Really happy with that, but shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack. And most importantly, to those who sign the paychecks, get the business back on track. I wanna remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, such as SysP, System, et cetera, each episode of the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So that stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. And all you have to do is chill out and enjoy the show, consume a little bit of cyber knowledge, network with some people and have a good time. So be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. And how do I do that? Well, obviously you're doing the hard part, quote unquote hard part by being here. But just say what's up in chat, whether it's, hey, Jerry, how you doing? Or, hey, chat, how you doing? Or, hey, community, or good morning, everyone. Or it's, hey, checking in from Nigeria, checking in from Chad, checking in from Sri Lanka. Whatever it is, just say what's up. That way it's burned into the stream. You can see everybody's chat is right there on the side. And you know what happens? If anyone ever calls shenanigans on you, you just send them a link to the show and you say, go ahead and check it out. I'm not lying. All right. If you are live, really genuinely appreciate it. Thanks for catching the stream. 62 of you in here right now. You know, if you're a regular, we had a hard time on Thursday with the audio. Friday was janky, but we recovered. Uh, I spent the entire weekend uh, with new hardware rebuilding the studio from scratch. If you're on the Discord server, uh, you'll be able to see pictures of what that looks like now. I'm pretty, pretty pumped about it. I got some, you know, um, some, some snaps some snaps, if you will, of what it looks like. I uh, got this GoXLR mixer, which is hardware, in order to address the audio issues, but it's still not right. It's still not perfect. So let me know in chat how the audio is, uh, if my mic's good, if the background music's fine. Uh, really, you're right, guys, the, the true test is when I play the podcast. And uh, I, I went live before t this on my own phone and here in the studio just to confirm it. So. If you are watching on replay, be sure to comment in chat or in the comments so you get credit for being here. But if you're not sure what to put, hashtag team replay is always uh, a nice way to, to, to coalesce with the other folks who watch it on replay. Thanks for catching the stream. Hashtag team replay. Genuinely appreciate all of you. Um, if you want to jump right to the news, there is no ticker right now. I do have the stream deck set up, but I haven't, you know, that was like the least of my concerns this weekend with the new studio. Plus, uh, celebrated my wedding anniversary on Sunday. Uh, so definitely have priorities. So 
when this picture right here gets to changing and it's the news, that means we started. So if you scrub to the right, whenever that changes, if you're listening on the audio podcast, thanks for checking the audio podcast out. Be sure to leave a like or comment. I don't even know how you share audio podcasts with people. That's like how little I consume audio podcasts, but whatever it is that you're supposed to do, please do that. Let others know that we're here. Uh, you probably skip ahead about 30, 90 seconds, uh, and we'll be getting into the news, but for the next 30 or 90 seconds, I, my friends will be moving this notepad out of my way, bringing chat up, having a sip of coffee, looking through the comments and saying, good morning to all of you. Audio sounds fine on LinkedIn. Thank you, Michael Huskin. Hey, Apollo. Hey, Ms. Julian. I saw you in chat for a hot minute. Joel Belton. Good to see you, Patrick. Thanks for the congratulations on the anniversary. Me and the missus been together quite a while quite a while 17 years so k scott powell good to see you ryan spishock very nice dre 980 on the youtubes do love it where can i find the podcast so obina if you go and google or actually go to simplycyber.io slot slash podcasts simplycyber.io slash podcast I'll, I'll just show you guys really quickly simplycyber.io slash podcast you can get it on your podcast app of choice. So your Spotify, your Apple, your Stitcher, all those things. But if you go to simplycyber.io slash podcast, you could see right here, audio only, and you can definitely consume it. Good thing we've got a new fancy website for everybody to consume information from. Be sure to go to simplycyber.io if you haven't uh, checked it out and didn't know, we launched a new website last week. Uh, thank you very much to the web dev team who helped me with that. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Patrick Moss, thank you. Hey, Rachel, good to see you from New York. Cheers. Got my coffee going. Representing Hotlanta today. Anybody in Hotlanta? I know Tom Pike's up in there. Good to see ya. Oh, Lee's, yeah. Nigerians getting a bum rap. The 419 scams, uh, they definitely uh, <laughs> left a footprint or fingerprints, if you will. Good. I'm not sure what happened with BSEC, but people are congratulating you, BSEC. So congratulations to you too, sir. ATL in the house. McLarty knows what's up. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nicole Hogan. Good to see you. Good to see you. Let me let me cancel my phone here. I have my phone on. It's like an emergency um, AV checking type thing, but you know how it goes. Duluth, really, but everyone else. All right. Oh, cool. Cool. Team Replay, Videth. Well, I'm glad you're here live. And obviously on the audio podcast, you can listen to it in much, much faster formats. So that's good. Guys, I've really got a special surprise for you today. Uh, guys, you know, I know I do. I stand up here and I do the podcast and stuff like that, but I really want to make this a great experience. I have an awesome raffle giveaway this week. I've, I've kind of broken out of my shell. I know you guys probably don't think I'm introverted, but I am slightly. So I've broken out of my shell and now I'm reaching out to people about raffles because the coffee raffle was so successful because the TCM Academy uh, raffle was so successful. I've got a great one for this whole week. All week, I will be raffling off license keys to World of Haiku. And if you don't know what World of Haiku is, I will show you. It's very, very cool. It's very cool. You're going to want to stay I mean, obviously, most of you stay anyways, um, but you're going to want to check it out, all right? Oh, cool, BSEC. Nice. 17 right there. High five, man. You know what's up. You know what's up. 
All right, guys, moment of truth. <laughs> moment of truth. I'm going to hit play on the past. I did, I put in a couple hundred bucks and does like a dozen hours this weekend on solving this one problem. So let's hope. All right, let's get ready. Let's get into the news. Thank you for all being here. Let me pour one more hit of coffee because it's going to come hot and heavy once we get going, right? There it is. All right. All right, guys, let's kill the music. Good to see you, Jack Scott. I see you in chat. Will Reed, always good to see you, Will. Long time, long time member of the Simply Cyber community. All right, let's get into it. Here we go. Here we go. Fingers crossed. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, July 25th, 2022. FBI uncovers Chinese and Huawei misdeeds. Since at least 2017, federal officials have been investigating Chinese land purchases near critical infrastructure and pursuing what they saw as clear efforts to plant listening devices near sensitive military and government facilities. Among the most alarming things the FBI uncovered pertains to Chinese-made Huawei equipment atop cell towers near U.S. military bases in the rural Midwest. According to multiple sources familiar with the matter, the FBI determined the equipment was capable of capturing and disrupting highly restricted Defense Department communications, including those used by U.S. Strategic Command, which oversees the country's nuclear weapons. In addition, a proposed $100 million ornate Chinese garden at the National Arboretum in Washington, D.C. included a pagoda, which investigators noted would have been strategically placed on one of the highest points in Washington, D.C., just two miles from the U.S. Capitol, a perfect spot for signals intelligence collection. Wow. Okay. So this is really, really interesting. This is, you know, cloak and dagger, national security level uh, shenanigans. Okay. So, you know, and surprisingly, the FBI did the investigation um, just because I say surprise because me personally, I would think that the NSA would be involved. I mean, the NSA is involved in the signals intelligence piece. They may have been collaborative, but um, Chinese made Huawei equipment could disrupt. Uh, it says U.S. nuclear arsenal communications. I would argue that that's partly for. The clickbait. I mean, it's not clickbait, but part for the 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 sizzle of the headline. If you listen to the story, what they're actually talking about is, um, basically signals intelligence, signals uh, intercepting intelligence. Uh, you know, my folks in chat. I know I, I'm not going to call them out, but I know there's people in chat right now who have worked in. The military in threat intelligence, in signals intelligence, signals interception, um, signals analysis. I see you guys, so this probably resonates with you. Um, a couple things, guys. One, this this is you know, this is classic. This is physical security intelligence uh, stuff, right? So we you know we talk about on the wire and stuff like that, but what they're talking about here is that. There are these listening posts, effectively, that have been built in the United States in certain areas, Midwest, near military base, I guess, and, near, and either potentially or definitely near D.C. And the idea is you have, it, it's basic. This is basic Cold War. This isn't new. This is like Cold War 1960s signals intelligence, right? You build a big antenna. 
with a big, you know, spinning thing that can hear. And when the messages get sent, you pick it up, right? Now, a couple things. One, highly likely that this sensitive information was being encrypted before being transmitted. So even with interception, it could not be read by the Chinese in this case. If it was, in fact, I'm going to, I'm going to, generalize a little bit that this is a China-backed thing, okay? There's two things here. One, you could disrupt and garble the message, right? So you could you could push noise out into the feed and cause the message to not reach its endpoint. This is denial of service. It's an attack on the signal's intelligence, and it's not allowing the information to reach its end goal, okay? Second, you could intercept it for data collection, but if it's encrypted, you can't break it. But we've been talking for a while here, guys, about quantum computing. And I'm telling you, NIST, I, I heart NIST as much as everybody else, more for the cybersecurity stuff, but they are involved heavily in developing the next generation of encryption algorithms that are going to be quantum resilient. And this signals intelligence that's being captured right now it's going to be baked and encrypted with the current generation of signals and of, of encryption, which is good, which is fine. But if we get to a point where quantum computing can break that, it's possible, you know, that 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 could retroactively be broke because there's going to be a big stockpile of data that's been collected. Now, what is the value of that data? If it's temporal, if it's ephemeral, meaning like it doesn't have any value in the past because it's like go here today at this time and you break it three years later. Like, I guess you could infer that, oh, these people were working together. But for the most part, the value of that data does not uh, persist or it goes down and it depreciates over time. But um, it's very, very interesting. And just to point out that this is not like new or anything like this. Um, but, oh, okay, here, check this out. Uh, you guys are gonna love this. Uh, US NSA listening outpost, West Germany. Check this out. Look at this. You see this right here? Is this coming through on chat? Hold on, let me, let me zoom in on this. This is where the audio podcast kinda is, is left. You see this thing right here? Okay, this right here, after Berlin fell in the Allied powers, did I freeze? Hold on, did I freeze? Oh no, can you guys still hear me? Okay, I don't know what's going on. Hopefully you can hear me. Listen, when the Allied powers won World War II, and basically <laughs> did Russia, England and US built like a little fort inside of West Germany. Um, this NSA listening post was built on top of the hill. This NSA listening post is an abandoned building now because after the end of the Cold War, like there was no need for signals intelligence anymore. But this right here is literally exactly what the FBI, um, not, you know, brick for brick, but the, the, the functionality and the capability. This is exactly the same thing that the FBI just found, okay? right here. And this is the US built this like, I don't know, the 60s. So it's not new, but you know, we certainly don't want it in our backyard, we be in the United States, right? So um, interesting stuff. 5.4 million Twitter accounts available for sale. 
A threat actor is now offering the stolen data for sale on a popular hacking forum. In January, a report published on HackerOne claimed the discovery of a vulnerability that can be exploited by an attacker to find a Twitter account by the associated phone number or email, even if the user has opted to prevent this in the privacy options. The bug existed in the authorization process of the Android Twitter client within the procedure for checking for duplication of a Twitter account. Twitter confirmed the existence of this vulnerability and awarded the bug hunter a $5,040 bounty. The flaw has since been patched. Oh, that's interesting. Microsoft. So that was like, hold on. Do, 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 do. So this is interesting. So this bug. Okay, so first of all, a couple things. One, Twitter's using bug bounty through HackerOne, it sounds like, or it sounded like they said HackerOne, but long story short, Twitter is, you know, using vulnerability uh, management platform. Um, vulnerability uh, disclosure platforms in order to improve their products. So first of all, good on Twitter, especially considering how popular and how, you know, I don't want to call Twitter critical infrastructure, but it's very ingrained, at least in the United States um, psyche. So a database containing 5.4 million Twitter accounts. Now, what it, this actually is, like when I read this headline, again, this is a salacious headline. It's not Twitter accounts that you can log into, right? It's not compromised accounts. It's not a data dump of a, of a compromise at Twitter, which is what I initially thought. What the, th what the security researcher, aka, they call hacker in the story. I wish they called the hacker security researcher. I feel like it's a bit more legitimate, but that's a, that is a, um, nuance right we can argue about that and, and no one would be right or wrong but anyways this individual was able to identify a privacy control workaround where they were able to query a certain way and even if an individual had disabled uh their email phone number or whatever uh from privacy this individual was able to pull it the, the vulnerability has been patched but essentially this individual has a list of twitter accounts so like at gerald osier um and then you know, the phone number or the email, which obviously can be used by threat actors in order to socially engineer, um, you know, maybe find some blue checkmark accounts, which would have a little bit more authority, a little bit more trust by the Twitter ecosystem. And then, you know, pull a, a, a Bitcoin scam, right? Where like, oh, someone puts five, Bit you know, you put a Bitcoin in this wallet and I'll give you two back or whatever, any of that crap. But you could do it. Um, I do appreciate the fact that Twitter which is like embroiled in controversy right now, paid this individual, uh, what was the money? Like they gave this individual um, a lot of money, 30 grand. That's pretty good considering it wasn't like a, a zero day or anything like that. It was just kind of like a privacy thing. So good good on him. I'm happy. I Dude, I love, I'm all about security research is getting paid for vulnerability disclosure. The fact that, these platforms basically have a army of security researchers and they only pay for actual findings. They should be paying good money. They're getting like a steal. Warns that new Windows updates may break printing again. Get ready, people. Microsoft has warned that starting with this week's optional preview updates, temporary mitigation provided one year ago to address Windows server printing issues on non-compliant devices will be removed, potentially causing print and scan failures on multiple Windows server versions after installing the July 2021 security updates on Windows domain controllers. 
The known issue impacts printers, scanners, and multifunction devices non-compliant with CVE 2021-33764 hardening changes and using smart card authentication. Okay, real quick, Ahmed said that the 30000 was a ransom. The researcher was only paid five k. Um, my, my mistake, I do read these things fast. Thanks, Ahmed, for pointing that out. 5K actually seems probably like really a fair price and like reasonable for the vulnerability that that individual found in the Twitter story. Um, you know, 5K is still really good, you know? So uh, thanks, Ahmed, for the clarification. Guys, Microsoft uh, patches uh, could break printing. This is a patch that's coming out right now. It's in preview, uh, which... I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I just talked about it last week, but the way that organizations should be rolling patches out is in like a, a concentric ring circle with like, you know, a couple systems and then IT and then, uh, you know, champions that are embedded in the organization and then the whole organization. This breaking printing issue, you, you like, you don't know, like with all due respect, you don't know what you're doing. If you roll this thing out enterprise wide and break at printing everywhere, like that is definitely this, this is the reason why there is a patch management rollout strategy. This reason right here, because nothing is worse than breaking printing for the organization. I mean, there's actually a lot worse. You could pull the internet down. That was like the most ridiculous hyperbolic statement I've made in a while. Like there's way worse than that. But like print breaking printing's not good, right? Like people end users, they're gonna complain. The printing doesn't work, your IT tickets blow up. Um trust me, if you're if you're a small IT shop and you've broke printing, you know dang well uh what's going on. Not to mention when you break printing Everybody's got a theory on why it is. Oh, like you just installed this new thing two months ago and it's breaking my printing today. It's like, no, that has literally nothing to do with it. And it's not the EDR agent. Okay. Like, please stop pointing to the EDR agent. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me the EDR agent was causing a problem on their computer, I would be, <laughs> uh, I'd have, I, I, oh God, I, I'd be live streaming from the beach right now. All right, long story short, make sure that this new patch coming out, you test it in your environment. I'm sure uh, printing is too mission critical that Microsoft's going to figure out a way to work around on this. No big deal. Patch management, vulnerability management, it's a thing. Massive Microsoft 365 outage caused by faulty ECS deployment. Following up on a story we brought you last week, Microsoft has revealed in a preliminary post-incident report that last week's five-hour-long Microsoft 365 worldwide outage was triggered by a faulty Enterprise Configuration Service ECS deployment that led to cascading failures and availability impact across multiple regions. ECS is an internal central configuration repository designed to enable Microsoft services to make wide-scope dynamic changes across multiple services and features, as well as targeted ones, such as specific configurations per tenant or user. As a result, users worldwide began reporting that they could not use Microsoft Teams and multiple Microsoft 365 services or features. Okay. All right. So this is, a, I do have a, a, a kind of a macro level point for um, people new to the industry <clears throat> and just a nice reminder for people who have been in the industry that are probably going to roll their eyes at me. Okay. So we talked about this last week. Teams was out. We joked that, uh, people who were pro zoom users brought it down because teams stinks. Um, no surprise, very much similar to what happened with Facebook last year with the BGP routing, very similar to what happened to Amazon AWS. This was not some, you know, 
Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, MI6, you know, deep cover op to bring down Microsoft Azure. It was literally a configuration change that had a cascading effect. Nine times out of 10, guys, when there is major outages, it's typically this, right? Wanna cry would be like that one out of 10. When I say major outage, I mean like widespread and, and visceral. Uh, not pet, it was another one like that. Anyways, faulty ECS deployment, okay? They got it fixed. Somebody obviously um, got, you know, <laughs> somebody probably got their pants pulled down and their bottom reddened um, for, for doing something they shouldn't have or not verifying um, or, you know, not running through configuration change, not considering whatever. Hopefully there was a rollback strategy that they were able to execute on quickly and it wasn't just like um, a fire drill trying to figure out what the crap was going on. The one thing that I will share with all of you that is very valuable, again, this is... This is important for new people in the industry and a nice reminder for those that are not in the industry. Um, yep, LinkedIn user says, test your patches, definitely test your patches. Guys, here's the thing. Whoever made this change, this is a major change. Like, here's the, here's the, here's the reminder, right? The, the more you know, the, the star with the rainbow behind it, okay? Permissions matter, right? Like, I'm not saying that, like, junior analyst Carl can't, isn't empowered to make changes. But when you have a change that has this wide-reaching a scope of, of power and influence and potential impact if it goes bad, you need to reserve that for a more, I mean, typically a more senior person, senior engineer, but even if it's not senior, it needs to be consolidated to a few people. So somebody who's like trying to just do it, you know, usually it's someone trying to do a good thing. Like, oh, hey, like I know Carl's working a or Carl's the one who's like, oh, you know, Clayton's working a double or on vacation this week, want to get this thing done. You know, I'll just go ahead and commit it. They tested it fully, I'm pretty sure, and everything's cool. So like permissions matter. It's very difficult. A lot of times people get permissions uh, in order to do one thing or another or to troubleshoot and like, oh my God, I made you domain admin and look, the problem went away, right? Permissions matter. And again, it, it requires audit. It's a pain in the butt. It's very difficult. But when I say permissions matter, I'm saying who is authorized technically in the system, not by policy, not by you know wink, wink, nod, nod. Hey, Jerry, you're not allowed to do that stuff. I'm talking technically authorized where I click the button and it doesn't work because I'm not authorized versus Clayton clicks the button and he is authorized. Okay. Permissions matter because if, if I had to guess, I mean, this either was an accident or somebody who wasn't fully aware of what they were doing pulled the trigger on this one. Right. And even if that wasn't the case, it's a nice reminder, make sure that you do at least, at least annual audits of user accounts and permissions and stuff like that. You really should be doing them way more often. Even if you segment it, right, into high-level critical accounts, right? So like the easiest thing, domain admins. You should be reviewing domain admins at least once a month. Who's in the domain admin list? Is it appropriate? Are they still here? Do, like, guys, I have been in organizations where field engineers, which is basically the people who get the call and go out and fix the broken printing from the Windows patch, are in the domain admin group to make things easier. Okay, that's not okay. You should not be a domain admin unless you're making domain schema modifications. And even then, you should be 
uh, escalating your privileges into domain admin, not driving around, going to Facebook and watching Netflix under domain admin. That's insane. Kimberly, thanks for the star and the rainbow. I love it. How's my, hey, I haven't done a sound effect yet. How'd that come through? What's the audio on Spicy since I just flipped out about domain admins? All right, let's keep going. Let's listen to the uh, commercial here. Thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Sneak. Developers want to code fast and security wants to ship securely. That's why they both choose Sneak. Backed by industry-leading security intelligence, Sneak provides real-time scanning with automated fixes and remediation advice right from the tools and workflows developers use. Code, dependencies, containers, cloud infrastructure, all of it. And while developers are building securely, Sneak gives security teams a bird's-eye view of all of their projects so they can prioritize and focus their efforts in the right places. Developer tested, security approved. Start your free Sneak account at sneak.co slash cybersecurity. That's S-N-Y-K dot C-O slash cybersecurity. All right. So thank you. Um, No spicy. I'll get the soundboard fixed up. I knew we were going to have a small hiccup. So uh, (laughs) for the remainder of the show, you guys who are longtime followers of the Simply Cyber community you, you might remember there's been a few times where i've done manual sound effects i feel like today might be one of those days so domain admin spicy okay so we'll throw in a couple of those guys uh thank you for being here it's the midway point of the show we listen to CISO series promo now let's listen to the simply cyber stuff because we got raffles we got raffles for days real quick just want to remind everybody that the new website launched simplycyber.io that's the website simplycyber.io it's clean it's updated the information the resources are way more accessible now get in there share it bookmark it especially the free resources as i mentioned because now you can sort on them which was a, a pain point for many people and i got the blog going which will be coming soon. I got like newsletter sign up thing. Like if you want, uh, drop your email address in here. It's not really for spamming. It's for, um, you know, like, oh, this project or I'll be at this par- uh, bar at DEF CON. Let's meet up. Okay. The other thing, and this is probably what everybody's more interested in, World of Haiku. Okay, guys, really quickly. There is a new cybersecurity game that came out on Friday last week. I reached out to the CEO of the company. Um, shout out to Cyber Insecurity and Neil Bridges because I was on his stream on Friday and he mentioned this. Hadn't heard about it, looked at it, thought it was awesome. It was launching later that day, and I was like, I got to get in on this. I called, I well, I called. I, I got in contact with the CEO of the company, told him about the Simply Cyber community, and I said, I really want to check this out. I want to raffle off a bunch of these things. What can we do? He fired me over five licenses, so I'm going to do one a day. Basically, this is a cool, fun cybersecurity game on Steam, but it does have educational value. Uh, there will be DLCs, downloadable content updates that come out pretty regularly. He told me the next download comes out in September. I played level one or mission one, which is like composed of a few levels. It was basically like a Linux, excuse me, a Linux primer. This game is effectively teaching you cybersecurity. Uh, and like I said, level one is pretty basic, um, but in an interesting, futuristic, dramatic story arc. Uh, very cool. Let's get ready to raffle it off. Everybody will enter and then we'll draw at the winner. I mean, at the winner. We'll draw at the end, okay? So many of you probably have guessed it, 
but the keyword is actually I'm going to make it even easier. Okay. The um, the keyword is game. G A M E game. I was going to make it haiku, but for spelling and international people, I don't want it to be confusing. So game. G A M E game. If you want to enter the raffle, type game in chat right now. Devin Bowling wants to enter the raffle. Justin Gold's in the hizzy. Shane Prevost, my man. Shane, your kids are going to love it. It's 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 fun, dude. It's fun. Game is in the house. While you guys are queuing up, I saw Jack Scott with a squad membership. Wow. Okay, like sound effect. All right. My sound effects are terrible, but that's why I have a soundboard. I'll try to get this sorted out tomorrow. Keep entering. Game, let's continue with the story, and we will draw the winner at the end. Also, I will be live streaming gameplay of World of Haiku as time allows, uh, but we'll see about that. Cart serves up card skimmers on restaurant ordering systems. Two separate mage cart campaigns have been skimming payment card credentials of unsuspecting customers using three online restaurant ordering systems, affecting over 300 restaurants that use the services and compromising up to 50,000 user cards so far. The campaigns have injected e-skimmer scripts into the online ordering portals of MenuDrive, HarborTouch, and InTouch POS, according from Recorded Future. One of these campaigns appears to have begun last November and the other in January. Google fire. All right. So <clears throat> interesting. Uh, recorded future. Actually, a couple things. One, shout out uh, to Dr. Corey Nance. I actually graduated with him through the PhD at Dakota State University. Um, he uh, works for recorded future in this. Uh, I'm, I think he's a researcher, actually. So um, shout out to him. I haven't seen him in a minute. Um, but actually I work at the Citadel. I teach at the Citadel, uh, because that's where Corey taught uh, for a minute and we, we hooked up uh, and got that sorted out. Okay. So mage cart guys, if you have worked in the industry for more than a second, you know, dang well, what mage cart is mage cart is like, it's like whenever you hear credit card skimmer, like mage cart is in the same sentence almost every single time. I can't think of a different. I can't think of a story in the last two, three years that has been credit card skimming related that wasn't MageCart. They own that space, okay? So you should, if you're gonna go do InfoSec work for retail or food and, um, or hospitality, like food and bev, uh, hotel, restaurant, travel, those type of things, places where credit cards are like rampant, um, you gotta know MageCart. I would, like I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> from an interview perspective, if you go interview at a place that handles credit cards and you know about MageCart, you talk about MageCart uh, and how like they skim and stuff like that, maybe what you would do to like detect it or uh, protect from it. Also, PCI, payment card industry, you should be familiar with that because they'll definitely ask you about that. Uh, MageCart's where it's at. So not surprising, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. It says online restaurant ordering system. So like, guys, if you, like COVID obviously blew this thing up. There's like, you know, popular ones like Uber Eats and DoorDash and crap like that. But some restaurants, you know, you can order ahead food trucks. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but you can order uh, on food trucks and like you just walk up to the food truck later and they'll, they'll or when the food truck pops up, they'll send it to you, okay? So there's credit cards flying everywhere. Mage cards stealing them. Now, I typically, personally, I devalue credit card skimming because as an end user, right? Because I don't work in uh, retail. As an end user, 
credit cards are really good for protecting, uh, well, A, for detecting fraud, and two, for um, not holding the victim, me, me uh, the cardholder, uh, liable. It's usually the restaurant that gets screwed, right? Um, potentially. But you're inconvenienced as an end user because you have to cancel the credit card and then you go a couple days until a new one. A lot of times, if, if you're anything like me, you have credit cards set up all over the place for auto payments and then you kind of just pay a consolidated credit card bill uh, each month. So it, it is inconvenient. The one thing I would say is mage cards doing mage card things. They obviously are making a lot of money off selling these cards or they wouldn't continue to do it for the years. I feel like mage card is like a lifestyle business. The other thing I would point out, and guys, you know, this is another one that takes time and effort, but as an individual, you like credit card companies are good at detecting fraud, but you should be reviewing your credit card statements monthly, right? Just skim them. Anything look unusual. A lot of these people, um, at least in my experience, will do fraudulent credit card transactions one of two ways. They'll either do like a $5 charge monthly, right? So it kind of hides in the noise, does not catch your eye. But if you have 50,000 payment cards and all of them are set for $5, right? That's, what is that, $250,000 a month? I mean, not a bad payday, right? And you're kind of hiding in, under the radar. The other one I've seen is more of the um, like YOLO attack where they'll basically... Um, they'll buy like one expensive thing and hope that the transaction works. Now, Jerry, how does this work? Like, why would, why would they buy something expensive? Okay. I'll just tell you this because this is an interesting little case study that you should know about what threat actors will do is they will, you can auto publish a book on Amazon, right? So like any one of us, right? J L G who just entered the raffle could write a book. Muberis could write a book doesn't matter what's in it. Like it doesn't matter if there's actually anything in it, right? You could just have 300 pages of blank pages, slap a cover on it and then publish it to Amazon, right? Amazon self-publish allows you to self-publish a book. You make the book $10,000. No one's going to buy it. And that's perfectly fine because you don't care. It's literally a vehicle for you to use a stolen credit card to make the purchase from yourself. And then you take whatever, you know, eight, 9,300, when the Amazon gets their little taste for hosting your book. But that is one way threat actors are processing and stealing money because they're buying the book effectively from themselves. And then by the time the, you know, it does get caught a lot of times, but not always. Right. And if you make the book thousand dollars, a little less likely to get caught. That is one technique that I have seen threat actors use in order to quickly monetize stolen credit cards. Fun little use case. A software engineer who claimed AI chatbot was sentient. Last month, as we reported, Google put a senior software engineer, Blake Lemoyne, on paid administrative leave after he published a paper claiming that the company's controversial artificial intelligence model, Lambda, which stands for Language Model for Dialogue Applications, had become sentient and was a self-aware person. On Friday, Google publicly announced it had now fired Lemoyne for, quote, violating the company's confidentiality policy, end quote. It highlighted that the engineer's claims were wholly unfounded and that the company worked with him for many months to clarify this. Lemoyne had an article on Medium in which his conversations with Lambda revealed the bot's desire for rights and personhood as well as its fear of death from being shut down. 
BMW. Okay, so we this this story like lit the internet on fire a couple weeks ago. If you guys remember, like, <laughs> I mean, just this is speculation, obviously, but like you could tell, like the second that blog post came out, the second that dude was put on paid administrative leave, you know, Google was like, all right, how can we fire this guy? Um, violating NDAs, perfect. Let's go. Um, this caused a real stir in the community. Uh, he published actually transcripts between him and um, the AI. Um, you know, there was some back and forth whether or not it was sentient. What people thought, it, it really did spark an intellectual, an in, interesting intellectual conversation among people in many, many different communities, including mainstream. Uh, but obviously, this could lead to, uh, I don't want to say lead to like, um, what's it called when people start freaking out? Like Orson Welles, um, War of the Worlds kind of thing, like uh, like social panic and stuff like that. Uh, at the same time, it shouldn't be dismissed as outrageous, right? I mean, AI is getting smarter and smarter and things like Skynet and Terminator have, have outlined, uh, oh, the Matrix, like have outlined how uh, AI could be scary uh in the future, but, um, whatever. I mean, I guess it could be interesting. People could push back. Like this guy's actually being like, just put the hat on the other head. Like this guy's being suppressed. This is how big tech pushing down, um, you know, kind of a marginalized opinion. We, we could take it that way. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. It, it's just interesting. Okay use heated seats as a service model has drivers seeking hacks. BMW owners are feeling hot under the collar in response to news that BMW will now charge owners a subscription to use the heated seats in their cars if they weren't a paid-for option when new. The German carmaker has been putting extra software-based features like high beam assist behind a paywall for a couple of years now, but heated seats are hardware that will not benefit from software updates or regular over-the-air upgrades. Rather than being a service, BMW's move is being seen as a simple way to raise additional revenue. In the UK, the fee for heated BMW seats is the pound sterling equivalent of $18 a month or $180 a year. And for a new 1 Series, they can be only ordered as part of a $720 comfort pack. Okay, couple things here. One, what the hell, BMW? Like, come on. You're, you're already charging, like... $80,000 for a car. Like you can't throw in some heated seats for 18 bucks a month. You literally got to squeeze the lemon and get every drop of juice out. Like, gee, like what? If I'm buying a luxury car, okay, which I don't own a luxury car. I own a pickup truck. But if I'm owning a luxury car, heated seats is obvious. You know what I might consider a luxury, like a, like a, like a upgrade air conditioning seats. Cause I don't even know how air conditioning seats work, honestly, but heated seats, bro. That's been around forever, and it's a, it is a standard luxury item. Mercedes-Benz and Porsche and, and Jaguar, they must be looking over at BMW and being like, are you freaking serious right now? Are you serious with this $18 heated seats? So you know what? Not surprised that hackers uh, went into this. The freak, I don't want to call it freaking, okay? It's, it's unfair, but like the technology is in the car. It's not, they're not adding something. You're not paying for a piece of hardware that isn't in the car, right? It's, they put it in the dang car already. You're unlocking it. 
Are you joking me with this nonsense, dude? This is a classic, classic hackers versus capitalism story arc, right? I mean, it, it happened a lot more like in the 90s, like Loft and all that stuff. But like Loft cra cracking, you know, whatever. Like, th this is ridiculous. Like high beam assist, high beam assist. So you're saying you're paywalling a safety mechanism? It's not luxury. It's freaking safety, man. I thought BMW was cool too. Okay, so anyways, we'll see what happens with this. It sounds like hackers are trying to work it. Um, if someone does crack this, uh, let's see. I, um, it says, it. okay, so I guess I'm trying to figure out if hackers have also already done it or if they've just publicly announced that they are attacking it. Yeah, so, okay, so they're trying to do it. Uh, BMW could be uh, difficult. I mean, you, the, the computers in those um, c cars nowadays are so, so advanced. So, yeah, you'd want to be careful. But I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a guaranteed main stage DEF CON talk? If if they could nail this before DEFCON, this right here, or at a minimum, uh, definitely, definitely, um, you know, ABC News, CBS News, NBC News, like main main news story. Charlie Millard, you know, driving the Jeep kind of uh, news level story. Yeah, I am. I am passionate, Philip. It just, you know what I don't like? I don't like bull crap. Like, I get that people want to make money and capitalism is great. Like, I'm, I'm all for capitalism and, and for the market drivers and for market to, um, you know, supply and demand and reward better product and uh, basically drive innovation and let the consumer base decide what is good and what is not. But this right here, this seems petty. And this, see, not, not the hackers attacking the seated heats, but the, like the $18 a month subscription, it just seems so great. Like it just, it's gross, dude. It's gross. Whatever. Anyways, let, let's go security researchers. Again, hacker versus security researcher. Where do you stand? Right? Mike Jones just did a really, really great piece of uh, research on Google MFA. He is the haunted hacker, but... I would introduce him as a security researcher. I'd still call him Haunted Hacker because that's his name, but I would call him a security researcher. The man is a researcher. We're researching here. By the way, a uh, quick plug. That's a cool steering wheel. I'll just, you know, it's cool. <laughs> last week in ransomware. New ransomware operations continue to be launched last week with the new Luna ransomware found to be targeting both Windows and VMware ESXi servers. We also learned how the Conti ransomware gang breached the Costa Rican government's systems and that the FBI recovered $500,000 in ransoms paid by healthcare organizations to the Maui ransomware operation. The big attack that went public last week was against digital security firm Entrust, which disclosed they suffered a security incident on June 18th that led to data being stolen. Other attacks we learned about last week include building materials giant Nauf, an attack on the town of St. Mary's, and an attack on the town of Frederick, Colorado. This week on... All right. So, again, uh, I do appreciate that Bleeping Computer does this uh, weekly roundup or, like, you know, basically they do ransomware roundup. So there's a lot of opportunity here. If you work in any industry... 
you should be checking this weekly roundup or, or bookmarking it. I'm lo- I'm thinking immediately of Justin Gold. Okay, Justin works for um, a, a, a local government, right? Two stories in here. The city of St. Mary's in Fredericksburg, Colorado. Two cities, local governments, ransomware, just a few days ago, okay? You want to talk about ammunition? It's literally fact. You know why? A, you should be paying me. And B, we should be investing in cybersecurity. Do you want to be these people? Just asking. I mean, you tell me. Again, I mean, you don't have to be flippant and an A about it when you when you say these things but you should be positioning these 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 stories as like listen this is a real threat this is really happening last wednesday while we were in you know the all hands meeting fredericksburg virginia went down i mean fredericksburg colorado went down do you know why they went down because they don't have multi-factor authentication we need to invest in multi-factor it's going to cost them eight million dollars to recover Azure MFA costs $4 a month per user. So it's going to cost us whatever, 50 grand a year. Can we, we really should consider investing, right? So some, something like that. Um, they also mentioned a couple other like in trust, which I have to assume is financial services. If you work in financial services, you know, dang well that they invest heavily into um, information security. I mean, they're still targeted all the time, but there's a lot of, um, money being thrown in financial services. But you know what? They Intrust got hit. I'm assuming that they're financial services. So all the money doesn't do doesn't protect you 100% of the time. But and by the way, I'll just leave you guys with this. Like another thing that a lot of people don't know and like I guess uh, you know, you kind of figure this out once you start getting budget and making purchasing decisions and stuff like that in InfoSec. Like just because you're given a ton of money does not mean anything. It's easy. I would argue it's easy to get money. What's hard is um, getting people, right? So that that's hard. Getting like staff, it, it's kind of weird. Like a business will pay one hundred and fifty dollars an hour for a consultant before they'll pay someone fifty dollars an hour to work there. And it it has to do with the color of the money and financials and forecasts and all this other crap. But don't don't worry about that. My point is that with money, I can buy appliances. I can. Uh, upgrade subscriptions and stuff like that. But if I don't have the time to tune it and do it correctly, if I don't have the staff to run the controls, that doesn't mean anything, right? A lot of people, a lot of CISOs who are in over their head or, or, or you know, got a field promotion or they're really like, you know, director of IT and they've been given matrix responsibilities for InfoSec, don't realize like just because you buy a firewall, just because you buy a passive vulnerability scanner, an active, you know, like a, an EDR solution, these things require tuning, feeding, care, maintenance, love. And if you don't do those things, they're not really providing any risk reduction. So anyways, part of the calculus is getting money. Part of it is having the staff and time to properly run it. This right here, this weekly roundup is bang banging. It is what you should be bookmarking if you're coming up on budget cycles, which by the way, um, a lot of people, uh, fiscal years start July 1st. So hopefully you got your money for FY23 and you are executing on strategy. All right. I want to let everybody know that this, um, we're going to be doing the haiku raffle in just a minute. So if you have not entered the haiku raffle, drop the word 
game, G-A-M-E, game in chat right now. We're going to be drawing in just a minute. I want to let everybody know that this Thursday uh, on Simply Cyber Live, so my Thursday long-form guest expert interviews uh, with members of our community, we are bringing on a very special guest. Not slap you in the mouth, Chris Rock, but the Australian um, security researcher, uh, founder of Sim Monster. If you have heard of Sim Monster, it's a Sim solution in the space. Chris um, founded it and he runs it and he's just a really great guy. He is one of my top three uh, like talk presenters, lecturers, right? Like put it this way. If this guy is given a talk at, at DEF CON, which he's done twice, I said the first time I didn't know about him, I caught it on replay. I was like, oh my God, the second talk, this picture right here, I'm sitting about 10 feet away from him. I, it is front row appointment viewing for me when this guy talks and uh, I'm bringing him on to the show. He's so cool. It's so interesting. I love his thought process. He's really what I would call like a hacker, right? Like he has like really crazy, um, innovative thinking thought processes, kind of, I don't want to call it counterculture, but he, he's, he's a nonconformist as far as I'm concerned. But we're going to find out. I literally called it, uh, I didn't put fireside chat, but this is more of a fireside chat. There isn't anything particular that Chris is doing that we're talking about. Like, we're not talking about vulnerability management. We're not talking about, you know, risk in financial services. Like, it's like, let's start the show and see where it goes. Because this dude, I don't even want to put a, uh, I don't want to put a filter on him or not a filter. I don't want to guide his direction. I want to see where we go. This is going to be an awesome talk this Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, let's go. All right, so let's do the raffle right now. Ahmad, uh, hopefully you, you uh, stay for that. We are raffling off a license key to World of Haiku, the new cybersecurity uh, education game that's pretty hot on Steam right now. Good luck to everybody. Let's roll. Our winner for this raffle is Joshua B. Subscribed. March 12th, 2022. So relatively new. Joshua B. Love to congratulate you. Connect with me on Discord. Simplycyber.io slash Discord. Joshua, if you're not already on the game. Oh, okay. Ahmed knows what's up. Um, I'll be live streaming the uh, game. We will be raffling off a license key every single day this week. So be sure to join us tomorrow. Um, you know, obviously for the hot briefing takes, but also for the license key. There you go, Joshua. Congratulations, my friend. Uh, again, connect with me on link. Um, connect with me on Discord, and I will get you your license key for that. That's gonna do it, everybody. We're rolling right up on 9 a.m. Um, I'll get the soundboard fixed. I feel like this was a, a, a good um, pilot voyage of the Simply Cyber's new studio. Thank you all for being part of it. Um, I'll go back and watch chat and go back to listen to the audio. Y'all have a great day. It is July 25th, 2022. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be good, everyone. Take care.